First Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 28. If you're there, say amen. If you're glad you're saved tonight, say glory. glory. If the Lord has blessed you, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Not too shabby for a bunch of white people. <laughs> First Chronicles 16, verse number 28. Start at verse 27. Glory and honor in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. <laughs> Isn't that a blessing? The Lord's asking you to give him things you already got. He's already got all the glory. He's already got all the strength. And we'll bring it our glory, we'll bring our strength. We know it don't make a difference. We know that we can't do anything compared to what God can do. And we'll bring it to him and say, Lord, here's my glory. Lord, here's my strength. Lord, I know it's not worthy. I know it's not good. He'll say, thank you. Thank you for bringing that to me. Well, I'm glad tonight that the Lord loves me. And, uh, but verse number 29, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to say thank you tonight. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Lord, thank you for the atmosphere. Lord, I'm so grateful tonight, Lord, not just to pastor a church. God, where you meet with your people, you deal with our hearts. You encourage us and strengthen us and challenge us to live by faith. But Lord, I'm just as glad just to be a part of a church. God, where you meet with your people. Well, my heart breaks for the hundreds of thousands of people, Lord, today that went into a building, sat in a pew or in a chair, went through a service, sung songs, Listen to somebody speak. But Lord, they never heard from heaven. Your spirit and your presence wasn't felt, nor was it realized. Lord, I'm so grateful tonight, Lord, there's a lot of people in this world who has no idea where Hepsbury is, let alone our little church on the side of the highway. But the very God of heaven, Lord, you know where we are tonight. But Lord, you also know where we are when we're outside the building. God, in our daily lives, Lord, you meet with us. You speak to our hearts. Lord, you go on walks with us. Lord, you work with us. You ride in the car with us. And God, you just make yourself real to us. We thank you for that tonight. And I ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd hide behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, I don't want to glory in anything tonight except for you. Lord, we don't need to hear, Lord, I don't need to hear what I have to say tonight. Well, we need to hear from heaven. And I ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd help us, strengthen us, challenge us, encourage us, convict us, grow us, and guard us. We thank you for the testimonies tonight of your goodness and your grace. And Lord, I'm so grateful tonight, Lord, my life should be and ought to be an absolute mess with no hope, with no peace, no joy. But because of you, Lord, I have those things. Lord, I sure am grateful for that tonight. 
We ask that you just help us tonight. Lord, we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise and the honor that is due unto your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I was studying this thought of worship and I have what I do is I've just been typing the word worship into my concordance on my laptop and just been reading down through the instances of the word worship. And it's interesting, we were in Genesis last Sunday night, Genesis chapter 22, verse number five, where Abraham goes to lay down his son Isaac and he says, me and the lad will go yonder to worship. And that's the first mention of it in your Bible. But what's interesting from there, and there, there might be a few other verses in there between there and First Chronicles 16, there is a lot of worshiping going on, but it's a lot of worshiping of idols, a lot of worshiping of those other than good, the God Almighty tonight. But we're gonna see here in First Chronicles 16, David writes a statement here, and it caught my attention. I, now, I know God's word is forever settled in heaven. I know that it's, 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 it's preserved and, and pure and all of that tonight. But to be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever, ever came across this verse. Even having read through this book of the Bible, it didn't stick out the last time I read through it. But I was going down there and I, I came across that last phrase of verse number 29. It says, worship. Now, you notice how this is written out. There's commas and then there's a colon as if it goes with it, but it's a separate thought of itself. It can stand alone without the others. And what is that? It says, worship the Lord. Excuse me, verse 29. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. To be honest with you, I don't know how you think about the word holiness, but when I think of the word holiness, beauty doesn't come to mind. When I think about holiness, I think about uh, something that is set apart. One man said it is, it is the understanding of God's set-apartness from everybody else. And in essence, there is nobody that compares to God. God is holy. The Bible tells us that it's not just holy, but he's holy, holy, holy. And the thing we know about God to be true tonight is that God does not take any of his attributes and change them out. In essence, he does not substitute his holiness with grace. God is both holy and grace. God is both holy and loving. God is both holy and forgiving tonight. And God never takes his holiness and sets it off to the side somewhere because if God would ever do that for a split second, if for one split second God quit being holy, we'd have no hope tonight. He's holy. But we see here tonight that David instructs us to worship in the beauty of holiness. I'd ask myself, what in the world does that even mean? What does it mean to worship in the beauty of holiness? Now what we're gonna see here tonight is as where this takes place in the context of the scriptures, 1 Chronicles 16 follows 1 Chronicles 15, which is a deep statement, I understand that tonight. But in 1 Chronicles 15, the Ark of the Covenant has been brought back to Israel we all know that prior to that, it was in the land of the Philistines and they got tired of it being there because that's not where it was supposed to be and God's hand was against them and God began to do things. And they finally, they said, get that thing out of here and take it back with you. And we know that David went there and David tried to do it the convenient way. They tried to build that card and put it on the back of the oxen 
and that Ark of the Covenant began to tumble over and Uzzah stuck his hand out to it. And the Bible says he died because God is holy. Things have to be done God's way. See, I'm one of those, I'm, I'm, I'm a typically easy person, you know. You do it your way, as long as it don't break the rules, as long as it is, is within the parameters of the word of God, you may not do it like me, you may not do it exactly like I do, but I'm okay with that. But God says, it has to be done my way, for I'm holy. And so we see that, and oftentimes we think about the holiness of God, our mind goes to us a touching it and dying. Our mind goes to the, the high priest if there was anything wrong with him. When he went into the Holy of Holies, he would die right there on the spot because of the holiness of God. And here is David in 1 Chronicles 16 charging the people and charging us tonight to worship God in the beauty of holiness. Can I say tonight, no doubt, holiness is a serious thing. But holiness is a beautiful thing. It's a magnificent thing. It's an honorable thing. It is what we're so grateful that God is tonight. But we see here the Ark of the Covenant has, is on its path back to Israel. At the end of chapter number 15, David is so excited. David is so exuberant. David is so thankful. The Bible says that David begins to dance before the Lord. Now tonight, I don't know what that dance looked like but I can guarantee you tonight it was not the Macarena. It was not the two-step. It was not the electric slide. It was not anything, the Dougie, whatever they have nowadays. It was a holy dance before the Lord. It was something that God honored and God was grateful for and God received. But here's the thing, you gotta realize tonight, even though me and you have the best intentions, the right heart and the right desires tonight, not everybody's gonna be along with it. Because the Bible says that David's wife looks out and sees David excited before the Lord. The Bible says she despises him in his heart. But we come here to verse 16 and that has not dampened David's spirit one bit. Matter of fact, David gets so excited, he's so grateful, he sits down somewhere, he picks up the pen and God uses him to write a wonderful song. And he, he takes that song, he delivers it to Asaph and he says, Asaph, sing this song before the people. Can I be honest with you tonight? I have this low-key desire to one day write a song that's not just a blessing to me, but it's a blessing to others, but ultimately it's a blessing to the Lord. But here's the thing, I ain't got the skill of David. <laughs> There's, I'm not very good at rhyming words. and all. I don't know how cadence and all that works tonight, but here David writes this song, and really it's a song of praise. You can look back here in chapter number 16, verse Number 13 or verse number 12, he says, remember his marvelous works. Well, even before that tonight, he talks about singing about a, a song unto him, unto the Lord, and talking of all his wondrous works. And this is a song of praise. He is praising God for what he has done, not just in his life, but in the history of Israel, what he's done for his people. Verse number 12, he said, I'm gonna praise the Lord for what he's done in the past. He said, remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. David said, don't you remember when Israel was down in Egypt and God brought us out, they were starving in the wilderness and God gave them something to eat. You remember all, he starts, remember all these things that God has done and I don't know about you tonight, the choir was practicing a song called God's Been Good and talks about those mile markers of mercy and we can look back at the things that God did in our life and 
and the way he moved and the way he helped. And when I get looking back at all that he has already done for me, can I say tonight, it develops praise in my heart. I want to say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. He said, thank him for his past. Verse number 14, he says, thank him for the present. He said, he is the Lord. Not he was the Lord or he used to be the Lord. He said, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Can I say tonight, my thanks doesn't just stop because for what he's done in my past, but right now, and I don't know what day it is, it's August 28, 2022, right now where I'm breathing, right now where I'm living, I can step back and see that God is still working in my life. God is still working in other people's lives. And I'm thankful, yes, for what he did in the past, but thank God for what he's doing right now. Then verse number 15, David said, praise him for the future. He said, be ye mindful always of his covenant. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. And this song, this praise culminates into verse number 25. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. And since David said there's nobody like him, there's nobody that compares to him. And so we see this praise but then we get down to verse number 29 and we see the word worship. And in verse number 28, we see the use of a word, give. Here, for the majority of it, he's saying, hey, thank God for what he's done. Thank God for what he is doing. Thank God for what he is going to do. And in verse number 28, he says, give. He says, give unto the Lord. Uh, ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And we see tonight that there is a difference between praise and worship. And we see tonight that there is not just worship in the essence of what most people seem to think that it is, it's more than just an exciting time. It's more than just an emotional song. It's more than just an emotional experience. It is something that when done right, it is beautiful and holy. We see here verse number 29, he talks about worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. And notice this tonight, it's not beautiful worship that becomes holy, but it is holy worship that is beautiful. Preacher, what is holy worship? It is worship that is right. It is worship that is scriptural. It is worship that is sincere. And when you and I participate in holy worship, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm not saying that when you are in the midst of it, your face is going to look beautiful. Or, you're, or you'll be doing it in a beautiful place. Or we'll sit back and say, boy, we need to paint a picture of that. That sure is Beautiful. Now all those people on Facebook, let the sky have two different colors in it. Got to take a picture of it. Put it on my Facebook. Then they take it real blurry. You have no idea what's going on. But we see it tonight. David says, if you're going to worship the Lord, don't just worship him, but worship him in the beauty of holiness. And we look at verse number 29 tonight. We're given three uh, parts that consist of holy, beautiful worship. Three actions, three commands, three instructions. You can call it whatever you want to tonight. But we'll see three of those tonight that consist of holy worship 
that is beautiful. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Notice number one, there's an inscribed or described glory. There's a given glory. Look at verse number 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Give the glory due unto his name. See, in the beginning of this, David's been counting his blessings. We sing that song, count your blessings. Name them one by one. You'll see all that the Lord has done. We count our blessings, no doubt. I'm not against that tonight. I, I'd encourage you. I remember hearing that preacher say that he said that one time at a meeting. He said, go home tonight, count your blessings, and see if you don't want to praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord. That, le- that le- older lady came back. He said, she'd never said anything mean to me, never said a foul word. She said, preacher, I'm mad with you. Preacher, I'm upset with you. He said, oh, ma'am, what have I done? She said, you told me to go home and to count my blessings and that I would have peace and I'd have joy. She said, I had all those things, but I didn't get no sleep because I was up all night counting my blessings. We count our blessings. We list off our praise reports. We we do all of that tonight, and we're, we're grateful for that. That's what David's been doing here. He's been thanking the Lord for what he has done. But can I say worship isn't just based off what God has done. Worship is based off of who God is. God is the magnificent one. There's no one above God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of glory. He's the God of heaven. He's the God of this world. He is God of creation tonight. There is none that is like unto God tonight. We see here tonight that worship is based off of what he, or who he is tonight. True holy worship, true beautiful holy worship only happens when we humble ourselves and honor the Lord in his true position. We don't worship him just because he's been good to us. You realize tonight, Brother Jacob sang that song, I went down a beggar, but I came up a millionaire. Let me hold $10, Brother Jacob. If you're a millionaire, it's just a little bit. Not talking about money tonight. But so many times we live our life that if, as the blessings come in, we are reminded to praise the Lord. But can I say tonight, if God never gave us anything else, if God never did one more thing for us, if God never moved in our behalf again, it'd still be right for us to worship him. Matter of fact, God is so holy that if Calvary never happened, he'd still be worthy of worship because he's above all. There's none like unto our God tonight. And we see here tonight, there's an ascribed glory. David said, give the Lord, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. I wrote this down in my notes because it hit me like a ton of bricks. There's no such thing There's no such thing as extra worship. (laughs) Preacher, I went above and beyond today. I gave the Lord extra worship. I gave him more than I normally do. Truth be told, we could spend the rest of our life giving him all that we have, every breath that we have, every ounce of our being used to worship him tonight and all we'd be giving him is what is due unto his name. There's an ascribed glory. Beautiful, holy worship is based on the fact that God is above all. And therefore, he is worthy of my worship. Notice number one, there's an ascribed glory. Let me ask you, did you give him 
the glory due unto his name today. Oh yeah, preacher, I said amen during the song. And I said thank you, Lord, while they were, while they were singing. And I, and I prayed along with those that prayed this evening. Preacher, I've done enough. Can I say tonight, that's all we've done is what we've been uh, encouraged to do by others. We need to find ourselves by ourselves before God just saying thank you, Lord, for not just what you've done for me. Thank you, Lord, not just for your blessings in my life, but thank you for being God. There's an ascribed glory. Give the glory due unto his name. Then notice number two tonight, worship consists of an offering. Look at verse number 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. Bring an offering. Now here's the thing tonight, you can't force an offering. <laughs> and I, there's some churches that try it. There's some churches, I remember being in high school I was in my Spanish class, in uh, Spanish 4, and we had to uh, do a, a event that some people would go through, but everything had to be done in Spanish. And so we said, we're going to have a church service. I was the preacher. <laughs> I can barely preach in English, let alone Spanish. <laughs> and, I was over the, and the funny part was, it was me and three other people that spoke fluent Spanish. I said, one of y'all need to be the preacher. <laughs> but I remember we, we sat up and, and, and one of the ways we, we were trying to make it funny, this one, the, one of the guys, he stood up every three seconds and say, it's time for an offering. It's time for an offering. He'd take his little offering plate around the classroom, he'd come back. I would start reading in Spanish again, what, was, what I thought was Spanish, and, and, and he would stop me. He said, it's time for an offering again. He would take up an offering again. There's some churches that way. All they are, just put more money in the plate because we just want your money. But here's the thing tonight, a real offering cannot be forced. A real offering has to be freely given. You look back at the construction of the tabernacle. It was all built of offerings. What they brought to the Lord freely. We live in a day and age now, it's no longer about the free will offerings. It's no longer about us giving out of a cheerful heart. It is, it's all about this. It's all about standards. It's all about, hey, it has to be this much, this much. We gotta run it like a corporation. Hey, we ought to be smart with God's money tonight, but we're not running a business here. We're not here trying to make a profit. We are here to honor God with what God has given us and to use it for his glory. And we see here tonight that if we're going to have beautiful, holy worship or, or, or worship in the beauty of holiness, there's going to be an aspect of an offering. But God's not going to force it out of you. We were counting up TR's money yesterday. He opened up his wallet and money just fell out all over the couch. He made a statement. I said, it got me chuckling. He said, I've been living like I've been poor this whole time. <laughs> and he was amazed by the money that he had. But they had helped us out yesterday at the wedding, helped cleaned up, and so we paid them for their services. And we told them and teaching them the principle of tithing. And he said, why do I have to give a tithe? He wasn't trying to be Arrogant, he wasn't trying to undermine it. He was just trying to figure it out. Thank God for questions that are asked. We told him, we said, it's a way of telling God, thank you. 
Because God gave you the ability to help out. God gave you the, 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 the ability to work and the ability to do those things. In essence, when you give your tithe, you are giving back to God and saying, thank you, Lord, for your blessings in my life. Thank you, Lord, for providing what, what you've provided for me. And Lord, I'm giving this back to you freely. You don't have, you don't, God's not back there with a gun to your head saying, you better give. You better give because you love, he loves a cheerful giver, not a scared giver. He loves one who gives back because they love the Lord. But can I say tonight, if there is no offering, if there is no willingness out of me or out of you tonight to bring ourselves or something before God to give it to him because he's worthy, we won't ever worship. You won't ever worship. You cannot sidestep the offering aspect and expect to have and to worship in the beauty of holiness. He said, bring an offering. Bring an offering. There's no such thing as a forced offering. Some offerings are given uh, out of ignorance. Some are giving out of, I have no idea what that word is uh, that I written, wrote down there. I think, oh, I have no idea what that even means. It's not even a real word that I wrote down. But some people just give because they, they, they don't know why they're giving. Somebody just told them to give. And some just give out because they, that's what they've been told to do. And they think they're, you know, I've got to do this or God's going to get mad at me. If I don't tithe, God's going to cut my tires. If I don't tithe, God's going to blow my house down. Can I say tonight, you can keep all your money to yourself and your tires might last a long time but you'll never know the joy or you'll never have your faith increased as you give unto God and you watch him give unto you more than you ever gave to him. Can I say it this way tonight? I've lived, all, I've lived a whole lot better on 90% than I think I ever would have lived on 100%. I'll take it a step further. Those that I know don't actively give the Lord their tithe because they, 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 they think they're better off with it. Those that are living off 100% the majority that I know aren't living well. I'm not saying that they're, they're not, they're not uh, in essence, that I, you, know, you give your tithe and God's going to give you a brand new house and God will give you a brand new car. But what I am saying, those that tithe, oftentimes, they have a better spirit about them. They have joy. They have peace. And those that are trying their best to live off their 100% by themselves, they always seem just so miserable, so aggravated, so mad all the time. But we see tonight that if we're going to worship God, there comes an, an aspect of offering. He said, bring an offering. It's not a forced thing tonight. Because a forced offering is this. It's called a payment. When your bills come in, you can't treat that like an offering. And so you know what? I, I just don't feel led to pay you this month. <laughs> they're going to say, I don't feel led to let you have lights this month. I guess what bothers me more than anything, you ever been to a restaurant and they include the tip in your bill before you ever get served? Now listen, I've worked in fast food, I've worked in food service. That's rough life. That's rough work. <laughs> you know, people, trade works, there's nothing tr worse than trade work. Man, I tell you what, you ain't lived until somebody cuts you out over a cheeseburger. <laughs> but it bothers me when it's tip included. I understand that your parties are sick. I understand all that. They're like, we've included your tip, but then the service that you get doesn't match up with the tip you've already paid. And it bothers us because that's not an offering. It's a forced payment. But can I say tonight, 
when we give to God, he does not require it out of us. He does not say, you have to give this to me or I will throw you out somewhere. But when we come to him, one of the greatest forms of worship is saying, Lord, here's what I have, and Lord, I'm offering it to you. And it goes beyond money tonight. It goes beyond just physical things tonight. Romans tells us the greatest offering me and you have is for me to give ourselves wholly unto God which is our reasonable service. And tonight when we bring ourselves and say, Lord, I am completely yours. Everything you, ha everything I have, Lord, everything I am is yours. Whatever you want to do with it tonight, Lord, this is, it, it, it's yours. You do what you want. I encourage you, I, I would tell you tonight, if you do that, your worship will pick up. You'll worship God and it'll be a beautiful, holy worship. The greatest offering me you can have is to lay down our life. Jesus said it this way, uh, what is it? Uh, Greater love hath no man than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Let me ask you tonight, is God your friend? Have you laid down your life for him? Holy worship, beautiful worship. There's an ascribed glory. Give the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. Notice number three tonight, there's an assumed position or an assumed placement. Look at verse number 29. And come before him. And come before him. Now that word assumed, I'm not using it in the assumption mode of it. I'm using it in the R Cross Creek ROTC physical training aspect. <laughs> they would say front leaning rest position. Who in here knows what that is? None of y'all. <laughs> oh man, y'all missed out on life. It's what Gunny would tell us <laughs> when we were fixing to do push-ups. He'd say, front leaning rest position. Then he'd say, assume the position. You have to drop down. I'm not going to do it tonight. <laughs> I might not get back up. But you drop down to your hands and not laying on the ground, but holding yourself up. You're to be in the position to be ready to exercise. And here's the thing tonight when me and you worship, it's not just bringing an offering. It's not just telling the Lord and giving the glory that's due unto his name, but it is literally bringing me and you and ourselves before God Almighty. In essence, we are bringing ourselves to the place where the Old Testament priests used to walk into the Holy of Holies. And if things weren't right, God would strike them dead. See, worship isn't something to be played with. It's not an entertainment thing. It's not me and you jumping to the rhythm of a guitar or dancing to the rhythm of a drum. Worship is me and you entering into the most holy place known to man. That is the very presence of God. Notice here, David said, come before him. Well, preacher, I'm gonna come any way I want to. No, you won't. No, you won't. You won't do it your way. It has to be done God's way. And we see here when me and you are coming before God, we're not coming to impress him. We're not coming to uh, receive an accolade, so to speak. We are coming for inspection. David said it this way, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try my reins. Test my heart. See, real worship it's not an emotional experience in of itself. It is a real thing where me and you stand before God 
and say, God, I, I've given you the glory due unto your name. And God, here's my offering that I bring to you. But God, would you search me? Because what I don't want anything between me and you. Worship God in the beauty of holiness. And here's the thing tonight. When me and you stand before a thrice holy God, we realize how holy we aren't. We're talking about it before service. And we talked, I mentioned this morning, during this, the, the message this morning about Ian Bounds. And I think he was quoted as saying, I think I read it somewhere in the house. I don't know where I read it at. I think it was there. But he said, the closer I got to God, the more I realized how terrible I really am. How low down I really am. But can I say tonight, you'll, you'll go before God and you'll realize, man, I am nowhere near where I thought I was. And God will say, it's all right. I'll help you. I'll grow you. I'll love on you. I'll encourage you. Worship, real, beautiful, holy worship never leaves you thinking better about yourself. It never leaves you with your chest poked out and your head and your nose up in the air saying, look what I've done. Rather, it helps us to leave out humble and saying, look who God is. Look what God has done in my life. Look what God has done with somebody like me. And I say tonight, if our worship experience doesn't produce that and we don't walk out of it with that kind of attitude, I don't think we've worshiped. I don't think we've actually worshiped in the beauty of holiness. We stand before God and say, here I am. What needs to be improved? Lord, what needs to be better in my life? Lord, search me. Try me. Reveal unto me those things that need to be fixed. When you find out that even with all your faults and failures, God still loves you. and God still cares for you. And God still wants to use you. God still blesses you. I guarantee tonight you'll worship. You'll worship in a form and a fashion you've, no song could do for you. No sermon could do for you. You'll stand before God Almighty, vulnerable, completely exposed. All your faults and failures right there before him. And you'll be reminded how much he still loves you. And you'll walk out of there having worship in the beauty holiness there's an asked offering there's an ascribed glory there's an assumed position come before him let me ask you this tonight like I've had to ask myself have I truly worshipped God recently oh I was riding down the road last night coming back to the house I had songs on People at Chick-fil-A probably thought I was crazy because uh, I forgot I rolled down the window because I was almost to the drive through <laughs> They might have heard a real loud, praise God. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. And they probably thought, well, our chicken's on point. Another satisfied customer, which it ain't, it ain't far from glory land right there. But I've praised him this week. Oh, I've told him thank you for all that he's done for me. And I, I've, I've blessed his name for the difference that he's made in my life. And I'm grateful for all those things. 
but I have, have I come before him, bowed myself completely before him, brought an offering, Lord, here I am. All I am is yours, Lord. And have I come before him and said, Lord, search me. Lord, search me and reveal those areas of my life that need to be worked on and fixed. That's what real worship looks like. It's not tied to a song. It's not tied to a sermon. It is you and I standing completely and wholly before God and saying, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, Lord, that's what I'm willing to do. Let's pray this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you.